Hey, are you still asleep? It's time. Time for serendipity. Wake up. Morning. Wake up. Get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. Time to get up. Time to get up. Now. Anne, as you woke up. Anne, it was a far skin. We were not two naked bodies. We were one. Morning sunshine. I often wonder what it would be like if there was more than one. I know everything about you, even the things that you don't know. I know. I know everything about you. A night that stretched into a separate time zone. A time zone where 15 minutes was 40 minutes, an hour, three and a half hours, and a night could exist until it ceased to exist by pure exhaustion, rather than the sun rising. Well, you know I have to go home today. Yeah. And when we woke up... I don't know if I want to go home. We would let our bare feet feet wander over the wooden floor in the white apartment. I would pack I would pack a bag for the both of us and close the door and it would be as if time Come on board. Come on board. So pull this towards me? Yeah. It only weighs six tons, Anne. Okay, I can I got this. I got yeah? This. Okay. So this is your boat? Yeah. We would sail out to a lonely island where a secret room is hidden under the rocks. The island is called Graveyard Island. That's the name of this island. This is where you took me to Graveyard Island. <laughs> and sometimes I wonder if this is all just a dream. If you're a dream. It's scary. For me, I think that sometimes in our imagination, things exist that don't exist. Like, are you real? Am I real? I don't know if you're going to have to answer that question yourself. You're going to have to figure out if I'm real or not. It's up to you, it's not up to me. That I fell asleep there in your small bedroom apartment in Brooklyn, and that I somehow fell through a glitch in this reality and never woke up. That all this is just inside my head. Maybe you never came here. Maybe we never woke up next to each other. Maybe. You're just a memory that existed once and then disappeared. They didn't believe us when we said the world was burning. 
We stood on the street corners and handed out flyers. No one took them. You think it's hot now, we yelled at the sidewalk crowds. It's going to get hotter. But no one paid us any notice. To them, we were just a bunch of crazy girls yelling about the end of days. And then it did get hot, just like we said it would. Everything dried, everything scorched. People started dying quickly. We predicted the end, but we couldn't stop it. That's when we went underground. The cave was deep in the earth where it was cool and moist. We piled the door with rocks. We knew we were building our tomb, but it was worth it, if only for a bit more time. The air started to stale and thin. We drank almost all the water and scaled back. A palmful a day, then less, then less. One night, while I stared into the black of the cave, I listened to everyone's breathing. Some were awake, some were asleep. They were all breathing fast and shallow. Their throats were dry. I slowed my breath, one of mine for every two of theirs. Then three, then four. As a girl, my father told me about holy men and women who could slow their bodies to the brink of death, their hearts beating slower and slower, their minds quieting, their breath lengthening endlessly. They stayed alive forever sometimes. That night, as I lengthened my breath and listened to my heartbeat slow, was the last time I was truly awake. My heartbeat, my breath, my life came to a halt. I could hear the cave around me, hear the girls cough and moan and sometimes cry out. But when the noises became too sad to hear, I found I could escape into the fog. I could stop hearing, stop feeling, stop thinking. When the girls started to fade for good, I pulled the fog over me for the last time. I dreamed. I dreamt about my mother, about the closet in my childhood bedroom. I dreamt about a girl I kissed once under an almond tree. I dreamt about a salamander I once found, crushed under a rock next to the stream by my mother's house. It seemed I would dream forever. Tapping is what jars me. Tapping, then clanging, then a large rumble. The sound is so loud, it tears the fog off of me. Did you ever stare right at the sun, right at it, until all you could see was the brightest, most painful white? Hey. Hey, are you alive? Can you hear me? I think she's breathing. What? Who? Hey. Hey, are you okay? Can you hear me? 
okay? What happened? Oh my god. You're alive. You must have been here a long time. I can see right through your skin. Do you have a name? Can you remember anything? The world was very hot. I thought no one survived the burning. We were right. The world burned. Yes. It's a lot to explain, but the world burned and then cooled. When the water came back, the plants started to grow, and the people who survived came back up from the pole. How do you know? I study it. Some of us still do. Can you stand? No. She moves my body for the first time in a century. My arms and legs are limp. I can't lift my head. And so the woman calls more people over and tells them to lift me and to carry me outside. And then my life starts all over again. I think I waited my whole life to open the cave. My whole life to find her. And now that she's here, she's everything to me. I'm hers. She's mine. She gives me the answers I've been waiting so long to hear about what the world was like and who its people were. When we talk, we time travel. She talks about highways and cars and the sound of traffic at night constant distant rush about cities all concrete and metal with buildings so tall they blot out the sky and how she hated them she told me about the beach of her childhood cluttered with boats and swimmers hotels and arcades just beyond the sand she loved the beach's pebbled shores best so i find river smooth stones and slip them into her pockets When she finds them, she tells me she's never felt stones so soft. This world is so new, she tells me, and the people are so different. Everybody's young now. They just stay that way. My eyes crease in the corners, but yours don't. Why? I tell her how young I was when they gave me the herb. Just old enough for teeth, just old enough to chew. It tasted like sugar and grass, and it left my mouth blue for days after I ate it. And after two decades of growing and aging, I stopped. Years pass, and we all stay the same. My cheeks never line, my bones don't brittle. They may, but we don't know when. Will you die? I don't think so. Will I die? We can't give you the herb. It only works if you take it as a child. I don't want to die. Don't say that. I don't want to think about that. They say dying is lonely. We don't say that anymore. We wander as much of the world as we can. The oceans have grown. The coasts have changed. Sometimes we find the dead rubble of cities pounded into ash and sand. We rarely encounter other people, but we're not lonely. 
after time we can speak without words, I can see her sadness, her happiness, her impatience, her wonder in her hands, her arms, the slump of her back. And then one day, she finds a gray hair under her cap and shows it to me. I shrug it off, but my throat closes. I pluck her hair and throw it into the wind. But more appear, and she starts to slow and stiffen. As each year passes, her braids get more and more silver. And then one morning, I find her letting down her bun, and her hair spreads white across her shoulders. She runs her fingers through it, shakes her head, She tells me, It's time to go home. We have more to see, we have more time. No, you have more time. I don't want this to end. I don't want that either. But I've seen enough. This is your world, not mine. Let's go home. I want to see my cave again. When we return to our homeland, we're met by a small crowd. They scoop her up onto their shoulders and bring her to the cave. We clear the rocks away, and in the middle of the dark, low room, we build a bed. Right in the spot where I first found her, asleep. She finds my eyes and smiles. And then she climbs in. And we watch as she falls asleep. We listen as she breathes one breath, then another, and then no more. I put my ear to her chest. I can almost hear the thud of her flesh and blood and bone. I feel her palm, and there's no warmth there. But there's no cold, either. I tell them I want to stay. I want to be there when she wakes. But they shake their heads. She's gone, they tell me. She's not coming back. You've been listening to Serendipity, a podcast produced by Ann Hepperman and Martin Johnson from Sarah Lawrence College. The fiction piece you've just heard is called Sleeping Girl, written and produced by Eliza Smith and Mark Ristich of NPR Snap Judgment. Leon Morimoto composed the original score, and Snap will air the original Sleeping Girl on our show next week. You can listen online at snapjudgment.org. Sleeping Girl was inspired by the Sarah Awards very, very short, short stories contest. And you know what? You can make stories too. I, Glenn Washington, challenge you. I'm throwing down the gauntlet. Learn more at thesarahawards.com. There you can listen to inspiring works. Learn how to take part in the audio fiction revolution, thesarahawards.com. Peace out.